0: Eichel at the point will now make his way down the wall. Backhand pass to the circle.
1: Oppozo drops it back to O'Reilly. Ryan O'Reilly again. Here's Eichel. One-timer scores! <laughs> the
2: All right, two shows left in 2016. Don, where do we stand? I've gotten a lot of emails. Uh-oh. Probably probably close to 100 emails now. Really? Uh, people are not happy uh, with SoundCloud. Why would it happen? People don't want to listen to it on SoundCloud. They want to listen to it on iTunes, and we have yet to be able to figure out how to get the iTunes to link up. So we either have to decide oh, right, yeah. between now and January 1st if we are either going to... Start a new feed and essentially start over, uh, or if we are going to figure out what is stopping us from going to iTunes because we're getting about 50 listens a week on SoundCloud. People don't want to listen there. Okay. You know, people want to listen no, I get that. on their iTunes feed that they have set up. And we've gotten a lot of emails, and I haven't been too crazy about it because it's like, well, it's the end of the year. Let's just get through this. And then we'll get it fixed, and then they'll have time, hopefully during the break, if they hadn't listened, it won't really be like a break. They can catch up on the episodes and the interviews that way while they're waiting for us to get back.
1: Your other podcast is on SoundCloud, too. Is yes. that okay on iTunes because yeah. because it's new, so it's an issue of – Well,
2: well what, no. The issue is, is we have a new RSS feed. Right. So we need to change the RSS seed from what's in there on iTunes to what we have now. Gotcha. And one problem is we're getting an error when we switch it because something on the page that iTunes is trying to grab is too big for iTunes settings. Hmm. So we need to switch the size of probably the logo or something. Interesting. That's on the SoundCloud page needs to be fixed. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know. Apple's not the best with customer service. And getting help and things like that. So I don't know who we're going to turn to, but we have to figure it out. Yeah, for
1: sure. I I honestly forgot about this. I I assumed maybe that you got it fixed because I don't know. We haven't talked in a little while.
2: But it's been kind of a crazy kind of end of the year.
1: What is the website even called? I don't remember. It's Apple Connect or something. Yeah,
2: something like that. Don't look now. Okay. We'll we'll figure it out. We got this show. Jim Florentine's going to be on the show. Uh, we're gonna. He's got a comedy special coming out. Uh, Rob Mish is going to be on the show. Uh, He's got a book coming out. And also uh, Bryce Harper has been in the news this week uh, as his contract is getting ready to expire, I think after next season. Uh, So already the Yankees rumors and $500 million or more is heating up. Wow. So we'll talk to Rob about that. And he's in Vegas. uh, So we'll find out what's going on with the hockey team there starting up Who? are not winning their lawsuits against the Clarks and Golden Knights who are in the oh. ECAC and coached by one of Anthony's junior hockey coaches who are cock-blocking the NHL billionaire owner. Why
1: don't they just get rid of the – why don't they just go with the Las Vegas Knights? Like why do they need the Golden <laughs> I part? I like, Because that's kind of like a – And there's Las, no like, loss. Vegas – Well, right, because I heard Vegas there's owner. a weird rule. Like you can only have three words on a jersey. So they're only the Vegas. Vegas – Golden Knights. Right. Yeah, it's called Las Vegas Knights. That's cooler anyway. Golden is stupid. Yeah,
2: they add a color is weird. Um, Joe Zarbo, uh, the last star of the Clarkson Golden Knights, by the okay, way. Okay, yeah. Um, next week, we'll finish the season up with Joe Buck. Interesting question. So Seth Davis, one of the original enemies of the sportscasters, uh, way back in 2011, so it was right around March Madness time. So that means we are about four months old. Okay. We reach out to Seth Davis and said, hey, we want to come on and talk about the NCAA basketball tournament. And he wants to do it after the tournament. Right. <laughs> right. Okay. So we wrote back and said, well, you know, we want to talk about the tournament. So I don't know why we would do it after. And sure. We kind of got into a little bit of a nasty back and forth uh, with him basically telling me that I'm a punk and ungrateful, and me basically telling him that he's big time in us because. Sure. Who in the world would want to talk to the college basketball guy after college basketball is over? Which is
1: fine if he wants to big time us in our fourth episode. But don't – what's the point? I mean he's got to understand your stance of right. why would you so want to So years
2: go? pass and it turns out he's like best friends with Jeff Perlman. Really? Who's like a best friend of this show. Right. So a few months ago Jeff was on. I think it was the time before he was on to talk about Gunslinger. So, this is not his most recent appearance, but the one before that.
1: The one you guys kind of just.
2: Yeah, just yeah, bullshit.
1: And Yeah, it was good.
2: And either before we started talking or while we were talking, the topic of like, who has sucked. Yes. And I said, Seth I Davis. Do you
1: remember this?
2: And he goes, oh, well, that's my friend, you know? So, one day Jeff is doing Facebook Live, and me and Seth Davis are in the room. Oh, okay. And I said, oh, Jeff, the great Seth Davis is in the room. Will you ask him if I have to leave or if I can stay? <laughs> right? So Jeff starts laughing, and obviously Seth Davis has no fucking idea Why, what you're you talking know. about. Right. Uh, but then I, I jogged his memory pretty quickly, and he oh, yeah, you were an asshole. You know? <laughs> so then I have the emails, and I'm like quoting them, but I'm making sure to like keep the parts that make me look like an asshole kind of out. <laughs> okay. You know, like I'm being real sneaky about it. Uh, So anyway, he's like, look, I'll come on the show. So I email him. Oh, you know, I can't do it this week. Let's do it next week for sure. Just email me Monday. I'll pick a time. Okay. So I email him Monday and he goes, oh, I'm on deadline for the magazine this week. So just email me next week and we'll do it next week. And I was like, fuck that. Do you I'm think- not emailing you again. I'm not going to chase you all around. All of a sudden, you're on deadline for the magazine. You didn't know that last week. Come on. Do you
1: think he thinks this is a, like a gotcha type of he podcast? Might. Yeah.
2: I, well, no. I don't think he thinks we're going to fuck with him. No? I think he thinks he's going to show me who's boss, and he's going to string me around all no. across the city and come in when he's good and feel like it. And then I know it's going to happen, too. I'm going to call him, and he's going to be like, yeah, I got 10 minutes. Okay. You know, and I'm just not gonna take the bait, I don't think.
1: I am not. Now do
2: you think I'm being silly? Am I way off, you think? Cuz Jeff Perlman would say, "No, he's not. He's such a great guy." Sure. He's not that kind of guy.
1: I don't I, I just smell the rat. It's in, it's interesting the people that do kind of take the big time stance when you can regularly get guys like Joe Buck and uh Tarico. Oh, and and, I have a
2: Joe Buck story. Okay. I'll add it on to this. So Joe Buck, last time he was on, when we finished, I said, I know you got the book coming out. I'd love for it to be part of our book club. Um, and he's like, yeah, great. I'll come on. You know, no problem. I said, I know you'll be doing a lot of promotion. We usually like to kind of pick it up on the back end of the promotion. Was it
1: called Lucky Bastard? Lucky like Bastard, yeah. It's yep.
2: a great book. We'll talk about it on the book club in a few minutes. So the book's about to come out. And I figure instead of pushing my luck with the relationship I have with Joe, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to find out who's publishing this and email them. So I email them. I lay out the story, and I'm like, you know, I don't really need you to worry about setting up the interview. I can do that on my own. Just looking for a book, maybe two if you want to do a contest. Tell them about the contest we've done this fall. And they write back, and they're like, yeah, we'll send you a book, but don't contact Joe. We'll schedule the interview. Don't you worry, little little friend. We'll take care <laughs> of it. And uh, they don't send a book. A couple weeks go by. I write back. Yeah, I'm still waiting on the books. I really want to get a chance to read it before you get me on Joe's schedule. Oh yeah, um, we must have forgot. We'll send out a book. Uh, and yeah, we'll get you on Joe's schedule. We're just sort of making it right now. And I know it's a blow off. Yeah, mean what publisher same, is it? It's the same kind of shit the L. Michaels people are saying. What publisher is it? I don't remember. I it. mean, not to throw anyone under the bus. Yeah. Right? Um. I mean, certain
1: publishers send us literally cases a box of, of, of books. Time buffs. Yeah. Right.
2: Yeah. Let's see who is it. I don't care.
1: It is just odd that, I mean, it, I they have, publishers have no pro, Big publishers have no problems giving away many, many books.
2: Uh, Penguin Random House. Okay. I mean, Emily, that's a big publisher. I Emily guess. and Brock.
1: I'd be surprised if we haven't been given books from them before. Thank almost.
2: you for writing, Stephen. We're working on getting Joe's schedule locked in now. We'll let you know when we start to schedule. This was in November. Yeah. November 1st, actually. Still haven't heard from her. So I did get a book in the mail. Not an actual copy of the book, a a pre-printed copy. Okay. You know, it's not the hardcover. It's a paperback. It says advanced copy. Okay. So I just text Joe, send him everything, what's going on. And he's like, look it, just text me Monday. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, he's great. You know, so he's going to be on next week to help us close the season.
1: Anyone that doesn't like... Joe Buck. They're just wrong. Yeah. They just don't know. He's, he's so good. I mean, if you don't like his style, that's one thing, but yeah, he's he's so good.
2: Well, it's season six, episode 33 of the Sportscasters December 8th, 2016. We'll be back one week from today to close out the season with Joe Buck. Uh, we'll do three things. We're going to update the book club, which will be real short, and then we'll finish with one last thing.
1: Let's play a game. All right. Mm-hmm. On the count
2: of three. One. All righty. I'll take it off. Two. The oil patterns on a PBA lane are very, very difficult. Three. First. I might be able to beat Jamarcus Russell at quarterback. <laughs> this is the funnest night ever. <laughs> Did we just become best friends? Yup. Now let's move on to other business. So the college football playoffs are set. Alabama has officially declined their offer to the college football playoffs and will compete in the NFL playoffs. <laughs> uh... They're the one seed. They'll play Washington. Uh, Washington, the owners of the 100-plus strength of schedule. I saw.
1: I, th- I assume this is who you are. And they lost
2: a the conference game on top of it.
1: Yeah, you were arguing about them on Twitter, right? Yeah.
2: I mean, whatever. It th- look, at, you can't lose two games and make the playoffs. So, Michigan, Oklahoma, Penn State, all those teams, you just you got to find a way to not lose two. But the committee's basically saying. Don't challenge yourself in different. September, right? You know, and if you're going to only do it once, because you can't risk losing more than once.
1: They've literally played nobody. Nobody. Wow.
2: And they lost. So they're, the get, so they're
1: gonna get smoked. I mean, they might have got smoked anyway against. Yeah, Alabama. and I don't
2: like that. I don't think that's fair. When they you pick the teams, and then it's like, oh, they look at how they lost to Alabama. Now, I mean, these this game's like in a month. Well, sure. You know what I mean? It's ridiculous. Right. You know, so I, I don't like to, like, second-guess them that way. I'll do it now. Whatever happens in the games happens in the games. Right. Just, like, I don't think if they beat Alabama in an upset that that's any justification for sending them. Sure. No, right. You know, um, the other game is a good one, Ohio State. And Ohio State, by the way, didn't win their conference. Hmm. You know, only lost one game, though, and it was to Penn State on a, on a flu, you know, fluky play. They lost on a block kick. You know, something the Saints have mastered. <laughs> Losing on block kicks. And, uh, you know, but Penn State is saying, well, look, it, we won the conference. Mm-hmm. And we beat Ohio State. And they get to go to the playoff and we don't. Um, but Ohio State will play Clemson, uh, who won the ACC. So three of the four teams are conference champions. That means 11 out of 12 so far are conference champions. That
1: almost seems like when you talk about Washington the way you did and the way you talk about Ohio State, it's almost like college football wants two things. If they want the best teams in there and they're going to pick it kind of by, by, okay, I'm going to analyze the wins and the quality of wins and I'm going to, that's why Ohio State gets in because they played great. They only lost one game, fluky play. They that's went to a, Oklahoma and that, beat Oklahoma in Oklahoma. That's and all stuff that, I mean, you have to read and interpret the stats in a certain way. And Washington is very, the case for them is just like, yeah, they got
2: they won the Pac-12 and they only lost, they only one, only game lost one game doing it. So yeah. I
1: mean, there's, there's, it's like they're putting a lot of thought into Ohio State, but none into Washington. So I guess you got to figure, like, in the NFL or in actually any sports league, the playoffs aren't really about the best teams. I mean, getting into the playoffs is, I suppose, but winning it isn't always the best team. It's just who has the best playoffs or who gets the luckiest or whatever. But uh, yeah, college football teams want both. They want they want a cut and dry formula, but they also want to kind of pick and choose
2: teams. Washington played Rutgers the first game who is probably the worst you know the worst team in Division 1 football. They played Idaho which I'm not even sure if they're in Division 1 football and they played Portland State. That's their non-conference schedule. Wow. You know and then they lost to USC. No big deal they lost a the conference game. Sure. You know but they didn't play anyone Oklahoma's two losses you know are to Houston who was ranked 15 at the time. Top 25 team at the end of the year. And to Ohio State, who's in the playoff. Right. Michigan's two losses. You know, they are two Ohio State and Iowa.
1: Yeah, I mean, I know those cupcake teams win once in a while and you get those crazy flukes, but you're right, especially if you play in a good conference. If you play in a garbage conference, then maybe you have to justify it a little bit by playing one or two solid teams. But if you're going to play in a good conference, why bother? Why not play all?
2: Do you see some of the scores of the Rutgers games this year, by the way? No. Listen to some of these scores.
1: Rutgers used to be a college football, like, decent school, right?
2: Okay, so they're whatever, two and whatever. Okay. Right? They beat Howard, who I'm sure isn't D1. Mm-hmm. It's a traditionally black college. Okay. And they beat New Mexico. Okay. They lost 48-13 to Washington. 58-0 to Ohio State. 78 nothing to Michigan. Forty nine nothing to Michigan State. Thirty nine nothing to Penn State. Yeah. Good season. Sure. Good season for the fighting Chris Christie's. <laughs> um, so that's that. That's where we're at and someday they'll get around to playing these college football games, I suppose. We'll see. Allegedly they yeah, play these so games. So at some point. Uh what else? The Bills and the Saints probably aren't going to the playoffs. No.
1: I mean, I guess at this point the Bills can still go 10-6, and 6, but it doesn't really guarantee much. So,
2: Yeah, if they go 10-6, and 6, they're still probably, what, 60% to go?
1: Yeah, it's probably not not great. Not so. as good as in past years.
2: And the Saints just, you know what, they've been a likable team. I've enjoyed them, really. Yeah. That was their worst game the other day against Detroit, probably. Uh, replacing the Atlanta game is their worst game of the year. Uh, but you got to give your chance to have stinkers because every team has them. But when you lose a game, because you get a field goal blocked and return for a touchdown in New York, and you lose another game because you get extra point the blocks. extra point blocked and return for a pick two or whatever they call it now, yeah. and that's how you lose that game against Denver, by the way, which would have been a huge win. Yeah, sure. Uh, and you lose another game uh, where you get a kick blocked, and it it's a big difference in the game. Now, uh, then you can't cover for your stinkers, right? So,
1: yeah, I mean, you it, talked early in the year about their defense.
2: It's much there's, improved. Is it really? Yeah.
1: Okay. I'm not. I'm not watching the games the way you are, obviously. But boy, they still look bad. I, mean, I
2: think before last week, they had went four games in a row without letting up a touchdown in the second half of the game. Wow.
1: Yeah. Good for them. I heard they're better. Uh, this is just fantasy football talk, but I heard they're pretty decent against the run too. Is that right?
2: Yeah. Well, ever since Sheldon Rankins, the first round pick, has been back, was a nose tackle. They've done a lot better stopping the run. There, there's a lot of first round talent on the defense. Cameron Jordan. Pro football focus is saying is having one of the best defensive seasons in the NFL. Yeah. You now know, Delvin Bro, Delvin Bro has I think coming back from a broken leg is a tough injury for a cornerback. And he hasn't been as good as he was last year. He got beat up by Golden Tate a little bit last week and he got beat up the week before a little bit too.
1: Now they're still one of those teams that when they show the graphic on T V that they're in the
2: hunt probably, right? Yeah, I mean they have two games against Tampa and one game against Atlanta still. So if they go three and and0 in those games. And they win the other one. They're nine and seven, and they have a great division record. And you know, maybe they, maybe if Atlanta wins one other game, and it's a three-way tie at nine and seven, so Atlanta only has five. If we beat them, that's six. If they lose one other one, that's seven. So yeah,
1: yeah, and it's not like the sixth wild card team is running away with this. You know, spot if they
2: right would have won last week, we'd be having a big different discussion. Yeah, imagine if they're six and six right now. What do you want them to do right now?
1: Just want to keep playing well. Yeah. This isn't like go 5-11, and 11, get the best draft choice? No, no.
2: Just keep progressing because I, I don't think that's as big of a deal in the NFL. Yeah. You know, because you don't even know what the teams in front of you are going to pick. Well, right. You know what I mean? It's not like we're going to be looking for a quarterback. Sure. I think that's when you want to finish as bad as you can, when you're trying to pick a quarterback in the first round.
1: What do you think the Bills do next year? Especially with the option on yeah, uh, Taylor.
2: I don't know. It's huge money. I wouldn't want – I don't want him, I think, if I was a Bills fan.
1: I don't think I do either, and I think – there is a glaring, I mean, maybe the rookie of the year, if it's not the other guy on his team, is Dak Prescott. And that guy wasn't drafted early. And Russell Wilson wasn't drafted early. Drew Brees
2: and, was the second rounder. Tom Brady was a sixth rounder.
1: Right, but, I mean, those guys, these guys weren't drafted early, and they started right away. Like, right. they did not need, this is not a league where you need four years or whatever, so draft a guy. I mean, some people want them to start Cardell Jones this week, which I think is silly because you're still you're still in a hunt a little bit. Yeah, week,
2: no, but. I think you got to wait. If they're eliminated week seventeen, I might give 'em a look. Yeah, for sure, yeah. I would too.
1: But I, I would not be afraid to draft a quarterback. And just because you can't get the top guy on the board,
2: does not I think like you should draft one every year. Yes, I've I always I, said I, that.
1: I agree, and it, I'm sure I brought this up on the podcast before. But since Tom Brady has started playing football for the Patriots, they have drafted more quarterbacks than the Bills, and that's embarrassing. Like, but I, I think you're right. I don't. I think Tyrod is. I think he's is what he is. He's a good runner. He, hit, he throws a good deep ball. Uh, I think he's a little panicky. He always. He, I don't know. Another long year for Bills for the Bills.
2: Yeah, I think they're a good team. I think that if I was them, I'd want to keep my coach. I think what they need more than anything is stability. You know, um, I think getting a coach to a third year is going to be big for them. I, I wouldn't. They got crushed by injury
1: too this year, and I don't know if. The... <laughs> They need Sammy Watkins to play, so if that means to sit him out starting now until the end of the until the start of the next season to heal his foot, I mean, they need to do that.
2: I mean, yeah, it might be a good idea.
1: Robert Woods has been hurt too. They have no no wide receivers on the team, but I don't know. I still say it if, if you drop Drew B- Drew Brees on that Bills team. I mean, they're a playoff team right now. They're, yeah, uh, Tom Brady, like quarterbacks, make the team.
2: Tom Brady, speaking of the devil, got his two hundredth win or. 21st, I yeah. guess. Yeah, it's a past time. Pass Peyton Manning. He's got over 20 of those against the Bills, right?
1: It's got to. It must be. Yeah.
2: I think it's 23. I think he's 23 and two, two or something. something. Yeah. Yikes! Is it best all time for you, or he's? He, he could easily be. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think I've believed that strongly. And I think I backed off it a little. I bit. I think
2: Manning's more probably was more talented.
1: Yes. And a guy like Breeze is going to be very interesting to compare because it is a pass-friendly league. Like, do you think Dan Marino in this league now? Can you imagine? Like, he's the only guy that came close to probably doing what Breeze did,
2: right? Yeah. Well, most of Breeze's career is going to be played with Manning and Brady, so that's true.
1: Yeah, I guess you can compare him those years. Yeah,
2: but uh, he won't have the, the wins or the Super Bowls of those two guys. Uh, he might. He could get a second one, maybe, but probably not. He'll probably crush the yards
1: if he really plays as long as he wants. Says he's going to. You Probably only needs
2: to play two more years. To right. Yards. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's interesting. The NFL's had touch- such a tough season, and they still might end up getting like Dallas and Oakland and breaking a record on Super Bowl Sunday. You know. Sure. usually the teams are going to make the playoffs. It's going to be huge markets, and the games are going to do huge ratings. That Oakland team is so beatable.
1: I know I'd sour grapes because of the Bills. Yeah, dude, the, but ta- the Bills should have won that. I mean, they should have beat them. They ended up getting blown out. The Bills did. Kind of. But uh they had that game. And I, I don't know if it's
2: twenty four nine with five minutes left in the third quarter. I don't know if
1: it's game plan or what, but like they were blue. running everywhere and it then decided blue. to go pass happy and like I don't know. So aggravating.
2: Yeah, and they beat the Saints on opening day, going for two. That's right. What yep. are you gonna do? And then the last thing I wanted to talk about real quick, and we'll do it real quick, Jack Eichel's back. Yeah. And uh it's been fun. Sabres hockey's fun when Jack Eichel's a part of it. It's not fun when he's not. And he's looked awesome. I thought so far he's played really well. Makes everyone around him better.
1: The NHL uh, is in such a good spot with these kids. Loaded with kids. I mean, if you are not a hockey fan and you want to get into it, latch on to a rookie maybe this year and just kind of follow his career. On the I mean, Lonely
2: Ring podcast this week, we're talking about we're talking about juniors, right? We're talking about the Sabers or the U.S. team, and Adrian's like, "Well, do they have a generational player?" And I'm like, "No." They had one on the last two teams. Like, how many teams can have a generational player? And I'm, I'm like, oh. if you look at the World Junior Tournament the last three years, Matthews, Eichel, McDavid, Lone, Yeah. like, how many generational players are, have been yeah. in the World Juniors the last few years? Right, eventually you got to... It's unbelievable. Yeah. Wow. So, that's exciting. Uh, But, are you going to try to get down to the rink and see Eichel? Is that a priority for you?
1: um uh, this season yeah I always end up down there at some yeah. point yeah so probably I'll say probably better than better more than likely I do get down there
2: if it would have been let's say a broken leg and he just stayed just shut him down for the year would you have been less likely to get down there
1: I don't know I mean this is the this is the talk that you had on Twitter and uh on your other podcast but your buddy thinks that he doesn't make a difference. Idiot. Or, I, I mean I know he's he's being controversial. Being an idiot yeah. we're probably twisting his words a little bit. Maybe. But uh boy does he make that team different. I mean without him I still think they're fairly talented, like the top six and but man, everyone everyone on that team is better and the whole team is better. I mean seven points in ten games since he's been back. It, he he makes a huge difference. I I, I don't think I get quite back on the like let's tank for a pick. Thing, but it would be a lost season if he was gone for the year.
2: All right, we're going to take a break. We'll come back with uh, Jim Florentine. All right, our next guest. Is from New Jersey. He's a stand up comedian, actor, is a co host of VH1 Classics, that metal show. He does a podcast called Jim Florentine's Comedy Metal Midgets, and he is going to be releasing a comedy special called A Simple Man. He's making his fourth appearance on the podcast today. A warm sportscaster's welcome to Jim Florentine. What's going on, Jim? How you doing? Very good. How are you?
0: I'm good. Uh, I like that song, and I guess your uh, your Bills are pretty much out of the playoffs. <laughs> I'm a Dolphin fan, and they're pretty much out, too. Yeah. well good
2: morning. I'm a huge, huge Sabres fan, never been a Bills fan, big Saints fan. But I feel for my people here. You know, when it gets to 16 years, you know, because everyone I love and care about loves the Bills, and they're no rival to my team, so I try to support them. When it gets to sixteen years, it's just so absurd at this point. They they don't even know what to say. They're just incredulous. So, you know, and last last uh, yesterday was the epitome of the sixteen year streak. I mean, they're up twenty four to nine with five minutes left in the third quarter uh, on the road against a ten and two team, and they somehow lost the game by two touchdowns. So.
0: Yeah, well, uh, look, that's, uh, you know, Rex Ryan's a defensive genius, so, so is his brother.
2: <laughs> well, you said you're a Saints fan? Yeah, I've been since I was seven years old.
0: Yeah, so how did, how did Rob Ryan do in New Orleans? Not too good, huh?
2: He was dreadful. Great guy. I know. He was the king of the city, bought people drinks, and... Beautiful man, I guess. But man, no one ever knew what they were doing. That was the biggest problem. And he didn't have the most talent, admittedly. I mean, it's not like uh, Dennis Allen has stepped in and turned the Saints defense into the 85 Bears or anything. There's certainly some talent limitations. But the problem was no one ever knew what they were doing. There was always these insane breakdowns in coverage. And just he just didn't get anything out of the talent he had was the problem. Well, I think... Is
0: there no not not one of his teams ever made the playoffs? So maybe the Saints. Made yeah, it the, the first
2: year. The first year is with the Saints, and that was his okay. Only... Other
0: than that, he's been a defensive coordinator for like twelve years, and none of his teams, definitely that one year, made the playoffs. Right,
2: and that was the only time he had a top ten defense in all those years, too.
1: Well,
0: that's part of the coaching, too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you could. Yeah, yeah,
2: exactly, yeah. You
0: can't blame it. You know, I know you just can't blame it all on. Well, you know he doesn't. He doesn't have the players. It's part of, you know, you, you deal with what you have.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I mean, the like I said, the Saints defense this year, it, it's not good, that's for sure. But it's incredibly better. And you see, you know, you see the players making, being in the right spot and doing the best they can. It's just, it's just a different feel, I don't know. And yeah. I, I was excited to talk to you about the Dolphins, too, because... They're an interesting team to me. I know this might have been a better conversation on Saturday after Sunday. Although I do think that the the Ravens are maybe better than we all give them credit for to some degree. But is it the case of is it are you to the point where it's like we got the beautiful new stadium and facilities, they've spent money on players that have a dominant defensive tackle, they have talent all over, I mean, is it to the point where Ryan Tannehill is just it's like the team would be better without him, or is that too simple? No,
0: Ryan Tannehill, you know, is not the the big problem. Okay. Ryan the, the problem with Tannehill is there's nobody out there that's better than him that you can replace him
2: with. Right, which is a problem for a lot of teams. Uh, exactly. So yeah. If you have no choice
0: but to be stuck with him. He's like a poor man's Joe Flacco. Like he's not as good as Flacco. Right. So I don't know if he's ever going to win you a Super Bowl, but there's, you know you're not going to go sign RG three. You're not going to sign one of the Hoyer brothers, you know, to take over the Dolphins or whoever. Even a Jake Cutler, you're getting the same. You know what? You, you're getting the same thing. So you're stuck with him. There's no good quarterbacks coming out next year in the draft. So you just hope to build a great team around him. So he's more like a game manager. Um, but look, they got a lot. Of, they got still got a ton of holes. And you got the guy who ran the Jets organization, Mike Tannehill, running the – he ran into the ground and then the Dolphins fired
2: him. Yeah. <laughs> I just – I look at them and, you know, from a distance, and they certainly have a lot of weapons for Tannehill. I mean, Jay Ajayi has come on a little bit. Maybe we're hyping him a bit because of those two games. And I don't – he's had one 100-yard game after his two 200-yard games. That's it. But it seems like he's a talented guy, and I love their receivers. I mean, they have maybe the best slot receiver in football, and then they have two pretty good outside guys. I mean, Kenny Stills is limited in the sense. I watched him play his first few years. He's limited in the sense that it's probably a 65-yard catch or nothing. He doesn't have the best hands. But it seems like Parker is really coming on. That's got to be one of your most positive signs of the season is how Parker's emerged each week and gotten better.
0: Well, the problem is he can't stay healthy. He's always hurt. When he gets on the field, he's okay, but he's real fragile, and that's not
2: good. Mm-hmm, especially for you the first round. Yeah.
0: Well, so, like, Miami's got a good offensive line, you know, but like four of the, most of the games this year, except for like their five games, their six game winning streak, they've been hurt. So when they got there, all you know, yesterday they were only missing one starter, but the week before and the week before that they're missing three. So when you got that, you know a giant can't run the ball. When you got you got a bad backups on their offensive line. Yesterday you had two out of three that were hurting, but still started. But you know the Ravens are a big physical team, and Miami never matches up well against. That's why Buffalo's always kicked their ass. Buffalo's a physical team. Miami in the cold, they just don't play well against those kind of teams. Even though Miami beat Buffalo early this year, I don't see them going in on Christmas Eve and and beating. Them. See that's when Rex Ryan. That's why Rex Ryan always has that job. Like, they'll be, you know, six and eight when they play the Dolphins, and the Dolphins will need this game to go in the playoffs and the Bills will knock them out of the playoffs. Right. You know, and they'll win a game when they, when it doesn't their season's already over.
2: Yeah, and I think another thing that's gonna really help Rex Ryan is the desperation the team needs for stability. I mean, they've made so many coaching changes in that sixteen year stretch. I mean we could probably both of us, neither of us Bills fans, could probably name six of them off the top of our heads. It's too many coaches. I mean, they need some stability somewhere in the organization. And uh, I think well, look, that's going to help Rex. Rex
0: Ryan is like a used car salesman. He'll just tell you whatever you want to hear.
2: Yeah, he's great you at know?
0: that. You know, people buy into his bullshit, and then you know he gets the job, and then you realize, all right, this guy's full of crap.
2: We've picked on the Dolphins for being mediocre. We're picking on the Bills for being mediocre. We could do it uh, the same thing with the Saints. I feel like we could also do it with about 27 or 28 teams in this league. You think that's a problem? I mean, I think that's exactly what the league itself wants is this kind of idea that here we are with four weeks left in the regular season and even our teams with their pretty poor records, you can find relatively meaning, relatively doable paths to playoffs still. I mean, the Saints have two games against Tampa and one against Atlanta. If they win all three three of those games, they might win the South. But there are, you know, five wins right now. And I feel like that's what the league wants. People like optimistic fans to believe to this point. But the end result on the other side is we probably have 28 or 29 mediocre teams in the league. What do you think about that?
0: Well, yeah, that's, you know, yeah, it's good. Like your team or say the Dolphins make the playoffs somehow this year sneak in. Yeah, they might. Uh, they're not going They're not going anywhere. So, you know, any, any, if you're a real fan or if you just know anything about football, you know, okay, they're lucky, you know. Maybe they can build on it for next year, which would be fine. But just know, you're not winning the Super Bowl. The Saints aren't winning the Super Bowl this year. Miami's not winning it. Right. You know, you, there's about five teams that have a chance of winning it. And the run, yeah, I guess the parity's okay. You know, it prolongs your season, and you're still rooting. You know, week 16, week 17. But you know, as a realistic fan, you know if the Saints go on a roll, they're not they're not going to win the Super Bowl this year.
2: You're right. And the league gets us on that by saying, "But don't you think you were better than the Giants team that won the Super Bowl a few years ago, that got on the roll and snuck in and won that game?" And in, in, uh, in the-,
0: the Giants also had an amazing defense.
2: Yeah, yeah. Oh, sure. I'm, I'm not. I'm just saying that that would be the answer to that. You know, that's where right. exactly. that's right. the
0: answer. But you know, Giants have a franchise quarterback, and Drew Brees obviously is too. Right. But they also, you know, have had a great defense. The Saints don't, Miami doesn't. All these other teams, these fringe teams don't. So, you, you know, you're going to run out of steam at some point.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, have you gotten a chance to watch Dallas at all? What do you think of the, this Cowboys team? Maybe on Thanksgiving, did you sit down and watch them a bit? No,
0: they, um, this, this this rookie looks unbelievable, man. They made the right decision by not put you know, uh, Romo back in, you can't when they're on a roll like this. Um, you know who knows? Like, he, but was like, "Is he going to get?" I don't think he gets straight in the off-season. Romo, they say like, "Oh, you'll get a third-round pick for it." It's not worth it—a third-round pick for the guy because right. you don't know if this guy's the next RG three or somebody else that, or Sanchez, who had a great first year and then somebody figured him out, the league figured him out, and then all oh, he's just you know mediocre. So you don't want to get rid of a guy like Sanchez. I mean, I like Romo. I just it's wonder if third-round pick. You know, but but then again, Roland might say, "Hey, I want to leave."
2: Right, and the Joneses do love him and it might feel loyal to him and might want. I think
0: that I think the Joneses are about you know a side deal, basically saying, "Hey, listen, you you stay. You're eventually going to get in. He's going to get hurt or whatever. It'd be slumps, and you're a cowboy for life. And you know, we we'll give you a you know million dollars every year for the rest of your life.
2: <laughs> Not a Yeah, and they can. They're the team that could do it easily too.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's what I think that's what happens. And Romo, Look, Romo could use the time off to heal his back. He, the guy's fragile anyway. He was, he could have came back a couple of years ago. Who knows? Could, you know. Remember in the playoffs with Bledsoe and and Brady, right? Oh, um, he got hurt in the championship game, and Bledsoe came in, and Brady started the Super Bowl. So you never know.
2: Yeah, I I think for the if I was a Cowboys fan, the last thing you want is any gray area in that situation, though. That could tear that team up, you know because there's so many Cowboys fans, too, that are loyal to Romo. Um, so hopefully for their sake, uh, he doesn't have any terrible games, then uh, they can kind of avoid any kind of controversy. I think it was pretty big of Romo uh, to do what he did to kind of uh, help in that area. And I think some people even thought it was selfish. I-, I thought it was pretty big of him. I I was impressed that he that he did that. Well, he had no t- choice. Yeah, he didn't, but he didn't have to. He didn't have to go out in front of everyone with the statement he wrote himself and take all that pressure off the team. I mean, he could have sat and sulked like Peyton Manning did, you know, twenty-five yards away from the kid all the time with his head down, you know. Yeah, well, yeah. And
0: remember, remember, Peyton Manning didn't even show up the first game on the road. Right. He didn't even show up there. You know, always rehab and really couldn't be on the sideline. No, believe but, but, me, mean, Peyton Manning was a big sore loser over it, and then eventually, you know what I mean? He just cried, you know. He's a big crybaby, Peyton Manning. So, no, Romo did the right thing, absolutely. And Romo's always been a class act.
2: Let me ask you some kind of Ask Florentine type things with the NFL that I'm curious where you stand on. You know, yesterday they finally did the right thing and they let the guys – they made a cause out of it, of course, because they have to do that with the cleats. Uh, But they did let the guys kind of express themselves a little bit. It seemed like the players really enjoyed that. Um, I thought that was a step in the right direction, but still all day, you know, they gave uh, the they gave the, um, the Oakland punter a penalty for picking a flag up and throwing it down. They gave Mark Ingram a penalty uh, for spiking the ball uh, at no one, but the ref was mad he had to go and, and retrieve it. You know, we've seen it all year with all of these penalties for personality, I've kind of called them. Where do you stand on it? Do you, do you like that they have it clamped down, or you think the league just looks like curmudgeons?
0: No, the league, you know, the league better do something. Like, you know, somebody gets in somebody's face after they score, you know, get a first down. Like, yeah, that's why, right. That's lighting me. I was like, yeah, whatever. We'll get you next time. Yeah, look at the scoreboard. Yeah, whatever. You'll see at the end of the game. And then there's a flag. Come on. Right,
2: I and mean, you know, I mean let the guys compete. Times yesterday. Yeah.
0: Like, are you really calling a flag on that? No, it's ridiculous. Let them celebrate in the end zone. As long as it's not over a certain amount of time, it's their discretion. You know what I mean? No props. Don't bring props. Let them do the little thing. Who cares?
2: Yeah, I mean, some of the stuff they they find Antonio Brown for this year, it's like the wrong dance. You can dance, but not that dance. You know, I mean, it's just got to be driving the guys crazy. What did you think of Carolina last night sitting down Cam Newton for that first series for violating the team dress code?
0: Now, is the reason because he didn't wear a tie?
2: Well, I mean, yeah. Well, the reason is because he broke dress code, and I guess the part that he broke was he had, he didn't have a collared shirt with a tie on. He had a sweater with a turtleneck on instead.
0: That's a joke. You know what I mean? Find him personally. Don't, Don't hurt the team. And why, if you only gonna were they gonna spend him for one play or no well one
2: series, one series, it just happened that the play was a pick. And people have kind of run with that a little bit, but I mean Derek Anderson threw that ball directly into the hands of Mike Tolbert, who just kind of for whatever reason decided to volleyball it up to uh whatever Seahawk linebacker that was, I can't remember. It wasn't a bad play by any means. Uh just bad luck. But yeah, the plan was to sit him for that one drive, according to Rivera. Well,
0: you know, why are you throwing? You know what I mean? First down with a backup quarterback that just... I don't know know why Cam Newton found out he wasn't
2: starting. There's video of it. TMZ has video of it. I just watched it while I was waiting for you to call. And it looks like it was Saturday. Cam Newton's getting off the bus at the team hotel. And Rivera pulls him aside. And there either isn't audio on the video or I didn't have it up because I was waiting for you to call. And it's definitely an awkward uh, conversation. And Newton looks pissed and he goes and goes back on the bus. Um, Oh, really? Yeah. But, um, yeah, I guess it was the flight from – they were out west for two straight weeks, so they didn't go back to Carolina. They stayed out in Oakland. And it was the flight that they made from Oakland to Seattle where he wasn't in the dress code. Okay. So it wasn't even like it was coming to the game or anything like that. It was the flight on Saturday (laughs) that they made. Now, Cam Newton did say in his press conference – uh, that he had basically broken the rule in the past in a similar fashion. And, and Rivera didn't kind of complain about it, so he didn't think it'd be an issue. Um, and you know, when you think of, I do think of that Cam Newton is a bit of a front runner um, and that when things are going well, he's a lot easier to deal with and to manage. And when things are going bad as they have been for them, I'm sure he's been a bit of a bear this year. I like your point of find the guy. I think Jay Feely, who's actually a really good Twitter follow as well, made the point that that he never liked punishing the team for the mistake of others. Find those guys financially, which is always going to piss them off more anyway, and not hurt the rest of the team like Rivera did last time because he did put him in a spot. Yes, I'm defending Anderson in the sense that that wasn't an awful pass, but you never know how that play goes down if Newton's back there like he should be. Yeah, I mean,
0: um, I, yeah, I definitely think Bonham, that whole dress code, I don't know, I guess I guess, part of a team you want everybody to dress, I don't, I don't buy the whole thing, I wear a suit jacket and stuff like that, but you know, those are the rules, but yeah, who knows what Cam Newton's been doing behind the scenes for Rivera, you know, maybe this isn't the first time, like you said, but then he's also, <laughs> like you said, he's a front runner, so I'm not doing good this year, so he's fishing, he's causing problems, and this was the last straw, and he's like, okay, you're benched now.
2: Right. I kind of have that feeling. that I don't think Ron Rivera just said, Oh my God, Cam Newton, who's been this perfect angel this year, is for the first time all year breaking a rule and I'm going to sit him out. I find that kind of hard to believe. And like I said, in the press conference, Newton did kind of insinuate that he's broken the rule in the past. So
0: Yeah. yeah. More stuff will come out about this. You don't just do that to your star quarterback.
2: Right. It is an interesting... It's, it doesn't usually end well for the coach when they start to have stare-downs like this with the star player, though.
0: You know what, then, then again, remember when um, uh, um, Belichick um, benched uh, Wes Walker for the first quarter because he made fun of him making jokes about Rex Ryan like his feet. Right, <laughs> right. So And that was like a playoff game or something. Maybe it wasn't a playoff game.
2: Well, Belichick, is, just, Belichick is hardcore.
0: <laughs> yeah, so he sat Walker for the first quarter. Right. That was when Welker was in his prime,
2: too. Yeah, yeah. Every time I think of Welker, I still think of that that play in the Super Bowl. Poor guy. He took a beating, and I, every time you say his name, I think of that drop in the Super Bowl. Again, that was the Super Bowl we were just talking about against the Giants, too. Yeah, you know, well,
0: every time I think of Welker, I think of Miami, giving him a division rival for a second-round pick.
2: Yeah, that was... <laughs> that was. And a... him killing Miami for
0: the next 10 years. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, I've I've been there. Morton Anderson was uh, the Saints gave Morton Anderson away to the Falcons, uh, and he probably kicked about seven game winning kicks at the buzzer after that in the Falcons uniform on the Saints. Yeah, yeah. The sports guests are here with Jim Florentine talking a little bit of football. He's at Mr. Jim Florentine on Twitter, and he's nice enough to join us today because he's promoting his special, simple man. You can pre-order uh, the digital download or the physical CD uh, or. Uh, you can also download it as a CD and DVD um, together, and there's links on his website, which is jimflorentine.com. Right on the front page, you can watch the trailer, and you can also find the three different links for the three different ways to buy the special. And it's also available on iTunes as well, and on Amazon, other places where you buy uh, CDs and DVDs. Is that correct, Jim? Did I get all that right?
0: Yeah. I mean, if you, most people don't buy CDs or DVDs, but some people want a physical product, but Basically, it'll be up on iTunes on Friday. It'll be up on Amazon on Friday. You can you know, stream it, download it, do whatever. Or if you want a physical copy, it'll be on my website, jimflorenti.com.
2: I got to see some of these shows. I think that when you were working on this material, uh, based on the trailer, it seems like uh, some of the stuff uh, you worked on while you came through here a few times uh, in the last couple of years, and I'm looking forward to it. I loved And I'm sure you're still selling them, so we should mention it. I love the one-man show uh, that you released last year. Just a beautiful, uh, awesome mix of comedy and real life and emotion. Uh, And if people are looking for stuff to pick up for Christmas, I mean, you got the six terrorizing telemarketers, CDs. You got the uh, special last year, the one-man show, and, of course, the special this year. We're focusing on this year's special because Jim would love to – To debut high in the charts, that is a big thing for him. So if you can pre-order or order right away, that'd be great. Uh, The podcast as well, uh, Comedy Metal Midgets. Uh, Last week they did some Facebook stuff. Uh, All the different themes are great. Love listening to that every Monday or so when it drops. Uh, Check that out as well. Uh, Jim, I I probably should let you go in a minute. Uh, I did want to mention this. There was a big rock and roll announcement in Buffalo today. Uh, Guns N' Roses is going to come to Buffalo to the Ralph Wilson Stadium, or I think it's the New Era Stadium, whatever they're calling it now. Uh, Wait, they're
0: going to play at the, the Bill Stadium? The yeah,
2: yeah, they're going to play in August here. It was announced today. Uh, and I know you got a chance to see the tour, I know for sure, in Vegas. Uh, you went to at least one of the shows there. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it in the stadium or not, but people in Buffalo are probably going to be deciding – at least initially this week, if they're going to maybe buy Christmas gifts, tickets, things like that. Uh, What did you think of the shows? Uh, What do you think of its value? I personally haven't seen it live, but I did watch a few shows all the way through on Periscope uh, and was kind of blown away uh, by how good it was, actually. Uh, What were your thoughts uh, about the tour and the show and what people here in Buffalo uh, should think with this announcement today?
0: Definitely go see it if you're a Guns N' Roses fan. <clears throat> they do like a 25 or 27 song set, almost three hours.
2: Yeah, I thought the set was great.
0: Yeah, I mean, you got, you know, Axel, Duff, just to see Axel and Slash on stage together and getting along and all that stuff. Then you got Duff up there. You got Dizzy Reed, who was the keyboard player from the Usual Illusion Days. So you got 40 guys. You're obviously missing a couple, but whatever. You don't really even miss them because the show's so good. Or if you're a Guns N' Roses fan didn't see it back in the day, I saw them back in the day and I've seen them now and they're better now cause they're, you know, they they take them more serious. They're not all just drunk all the time. Right. You know, up there and sloppy and all that other stuff. I just, a great show. And they know, look, there's a lot of money involved, obviously, and they're making a lot. So they're going to put on a great show. It's a great stage show and all that stuff. So I highly recommend it.
2: What are some other shows you've seen in the last year? You and Luke been to some shows or you and the boys, what are some other concerts you've seen that if, uh, fans get a chance to maybe travel. What's What's been good out on stage that you've seen the last couple couple months? Um, You
0: know, I saw ACDC with Axel. They were amazing. I took my son to yeah, that. Yeah,
2: that was here. I went to that. It was awesome. Way better than I yeah. thought it was going to be. Yeah.
0: it was. Yeah, it was great. Mm-hmm. I
2: mean, lots of uh, old ACDC songs that I think maybe that voice fit Axel a little bit better. Um, yeah, I
0: mean, Axel, you know, that was his favorite band growing up, ACDC. And, you know, he was a huge Bob Scott fan, so. They went back and did a lot of the old Bob and Scott stuff that I haven't done in a long time, which was great. Look, I miss Brian, obviously some stuff went down. Yeah. You talk about the shaft, it sounds like it does. You know, but um, you know, what am I gonna do? It's like, you know, a divorce couple that you always hung out with and now, you know I'm like, you know, I still wanna hang out with the other side, even though I feel for you, I'm sorry. I wanna hang out with you too, but
2: You're going through that in radio too, Jim. You got you got Opie on the afternoons and Right, yeah, yeah, same thing. <laughs> we just all got I'm over OP. the I
0: don't know what's I don't know what's going on, man. I don't know, if, you know, I got my own problems.
2: Right, we just got over the breakup with Opie and Anthony and now we got Jimmy and Opie splitting and you poor guys that support all the shows are getting to serious in the morning to support Jim. Then you gotta be back in the afternoon. Although I guess it is more places to promote, there's nothing wrong with that, I guess. Promote and perform. I listen to both, man. Yeah, I My listen to both, both, too. I listen to both. Yeah. They're both doing a great job. You
0: know, me, I don't know if you remember, but me and Jim Norton lived together. Yeah. When he was, I was on Howard Stern all the time, and he was on Opie and Anthony all the time in the height of their rivalry. And we're like, ah, hey, whatever, man. We're just happy to let us in. We never really even talked about it. There was no feud between us. We were just friends, just happy to be on some big radio shows.
2: Yeah, that's sweet. One last thing I'll ask you about, and I'll let you go. Uh, in your last special, at your released, the one man show, you told the story about uh, the wrestling uh, pictures and and the guy, the creep that used to take the photos in the garden. And I was a huge '80s wrestling fan when I was younger. You know, it's five years old, four years old when Hogan won the title in '84 at the Garden. It's the perfect age for the that peak of wrestling. Loved it. And I'm—I was curious of this when watching your special and stuff. I don't know why, but you got a young son now. Do you guys? Did you get? Did you get back to wrestling? Is Luca a fan of Cena? You go to any shows? How do you feel about wrestling now? You still—you still a fan at all? And what do you remember about going to to some classic shows? I'm sure in the Garden in the early '80s. Um, I, I got Luca in the
0: wrestling. He doesn't like so much the new stuff. He likes the old stuff because I was into that. Yeah, it's so amazing. we go on YouTube and we watch. You know georgie animal steel and rowdy rowdy piper and, and hogan and he like you know so stuff that i liked in it you know when i was a kid that's what he likes because it's all available like this matches from the garden from like early 80s that i know i was at that are all up on youtube and stuff so um and then there's all these like old wrestling action figures he loves action figures so we got a bunch of these guys so we got like 50 of them you know mr fuji and all those guys and who is the Barber Beefcake. So he likes that stuff. We went to a couple of matches, but only, like, local independent ones. Very cool. You know, you never heard yeah, of a guy do right. like, in a little warehouse in Jersey. <laughs> and he loved it. Like, we sit in the front row and he's yelling at the wrestlers and stuff. So we don't follow it that much. We haven't been to any WrestleManias or any of that stuff or, you know, got any of your pay-per-views. But, um, you know, he
2: digs it. That's cool. I love that he likes that era that we loved. Those 80s shows. George Animal Animals
0: feels like his favorite wrestler. That he likes... You know, Andre
2: the Giant he liked when Andre turned bad we show him those matches and- you show him some George the Animal Steel chasing Elizabeth around And <laughs> he loves that yeah I always I love that Vince McMahon he's like uh, what does he say he's like at least he, she's in the arms of someone who cares for her as George is Committing uh, felony, <laughs> felony. Uh, oh,
0: he! I love the interview, with
2: Elizabeth Manager. <laughs> he needs
0: to <still> love that.
2: <laughs> and then, of course, uh, George was in the corner of Ricky Steamboat uh, when Steamboat beat Savage for the Intercontinental Title at WrestleMania three, which is my favorite yeah. match of all time. Yeah, great era. I'm glad. Man, Luke loves everything cool, huh? You got a got a good one. I got a little daughter. She's only like about five months old. How do I make sure she likes cool stuff?
0: Well. You know, I took a look at a Dolphin-Raven game yesterday down in Baltimore, too.
2: Oh, sick. Wow, you've been to a it bunch just, of games this year, haven't you? How many Dolphins games have you been to this year? Is that three, four? That
0: was my third one. I'm going to go New Year's Day when they're playing New England in Miami. Well, then I one too.
2: You like that stadium, huh? That that looks beautiful.
0: The stadium is cool. You know, it's, it's you know, it's 80 and sunny. It's, it's not bad to be down there and stuff. Yeah, they did the stadium. They Look, they took 12,500 seats out because they couldn't sell a thing out.
2: <laughs> right. You know,
0: so they put more boxes in and stuff like that. It's more of a party atmosphere. It almost reminds me a little of uh, the Cowboys Stadium, which is the best stadium I've to ever.
2: Yeah, Jerry World. Yeah, so, um,
0: but this is good. They did a good job there. I mean, they spent 500000 you better. I mean, $500 million, you better do a good job. So, um, but no, I, what I did with my son is, in the car, when they're in the car seat, they got nowhere to go. That's when you really... You know, get him into what you're into, with, with the music especially. Right. I put the music on as he's sitting in the back, and that's all he knew. That's what my dad did. My dad got me into, like, 50s music when I was a kid. We drive around. That, the, I, I like that stuff. But then my brothers, when I hit, like, 12 or 14, got me into metal. But that's the place to really turn them. And then, you know, put a TV show and just say, I'm like, you know, yeah, dad used to be into this stuff. And I don't want my son like, you know, if I was, my dad was into it, then I want to be into it.
2: That's a good point. I think a lot of the Bag company and Zeppelin and Rush and things like that that my dad got me into. I feel like we listened to in the car. That's a good point. Now yeah, that I think about so, that.
0: when you start them off with easy stuff,
2: right? You, you know, don't you don't go you right know, to stuff, yeah
0: stuff that's got a beat. So ACDC stuff is easy. You know, what I mean, then you can get them in the other stuff if you want to get them in a different direction. But some you know classic stuff that's got a good beat and a good uh, rhythm to it.
2: Makes sense. Makes
0: that, that's catchy. sense. catchy.
2: Let me lay all this out one more time, Jim, because I really want people to check it out. First of all, you can go to Twitter, at Mr. Jim Florentine. You can find him there. JimFlorentine.com is the website. And you can get a bunch of information there. Still a few shows in 2016. December 16th and 17th, Jim's going to be in New Hope, Minnesota. December 23rd, if you're looking in Point Pleasant, New Jersey, for something to do before Christmas, he'll be at Uncle Vinny's Comedy Club, and he's got some shows in St. Louis scheduled for 2017. But the most important thing is on Friday, uh, which is probably the day, this will go up Thursday night, so tomorrow, I guess, you can pre-order the digital download of Jim's number one new one-hour special Simple Man. Uh, you can do it digital download, physical DVD, physical CD, the links are all up on jimflorentine.com. And it will be streaming on iTunes, Apple Music uh, on Friday. You can download it and get it that way as well on Friday. Jim, thanks so much for being on the show today. Anything else you <laughs> want to plug? Anything I left out? Oh, the podcast, Comedy Metal Midgets. I'm sure there's a new one yeah, today. Yeah, no, that's good. What's the podcast about this week? I haven't haven't seen yet.
0: Um, awful, awful inspirational
2: quotes. Okay, quotes. Nice. There it is. Quotes part five. Wow, I can't believe you've done five of those already.
0: Yeah, I mean, it just you know, every pretty much everyone can be picked apart.
2: Yeah, they're they're bad. There's <laughs> there's some bad ones. I
0: actually... yeah, 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 I don't know. Like I, I say in the beginning of the podcast, I go, it's not that, you know, people are posting these all over, and they're a lot more visible now with social media, so they're all over the place. You're reading them more than you did you know, twenty, twenty five years ago. So why isn't everyone a better person? Why isn't everybody have more goals? Why isn't everybody you know? Doing what they really love and whatever
2: the fuck it is, you know what I mean. They're not, so it's really not doing anything. People are just posting them. Yeah, I, you were hitting on one that really we talking about. Uh, people quoting about like how you could just you could do anything you want to do and you know just just go out there and and keep plugging and you could do it. And it's like, man, I would love to play in the NHL, but as Sammy Hagar said, you have to dream another dream because that dream is over. Yeah, yeah.
0: Do you think you can be a goalie for the Sabres? I don't think I
2: have the – I don't. honestly, I don't think I have the skill. I mean, my brother just finished his career at Yale. He's a D1 hockey player at Yale, and he was probably 10,000 10, times better than me, and, you know, that got him to D1 hockey. So I'm in a lot of trouble if I think I'm going to get to the NHL, Right,
0: especially so, at 36, you know. According to a according to quote, you can do whatever you want, so within a year – if you really put your mind to it, you could be the goalie of the Sabres. I don't think that's going to happen.
2: Yeah, I don't think I have the flexibility. I think I would get sniped glove side 20, 30 times a game. I don't think I would was...
0: like to be in a San Francisco Giants starting rotation. I'll take the number five start. I'll be a spot start. I'll do long relief.
2: Yeah, I don't you... think that's going to happen. Are you a lefty? Because if you're a lefty, maybe you got a chance coming out of the bullpen. I game. am a lefty. Yeah. Well, hey, like you said, give it a year. You know, put comedy down every day. Throw and uh, you should be able to do it, Facebook says.
0: Yeah, I'm sure it's going to (laughs)
2: happen. Thanks for doing this, Jim. I had a lot of fun today.
0: Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on again. I appreciate it. All right. All right.
2: All right. I want to thank Jim Florentine for being on the podcast today. Don't forget Friday, uh, December 8th or 9th, uh, the Simple Man, his comedy special, comes out on CD and DVD. That's tomorrow. Book, Yes, tomorrow. Book Club Update, Lucky Bastard, My Life, My Dad, and the Things I'm Not Allowed to Say on TV by Joe Buck is the last book club of 2016. And next week on the podcast, we'll have Joe Buck on to talk about his book, Lucky Bastard, which was a New York Times bestseller and is available on Amazon. And wherever you can find a book, it's there. So that's it really, as simple as that, a short book club update because the season is over and there's one book left in the book club and we're going to finish it next week. Uh, Don't forget about Gunslinger by Jeff Perlman and Playing Through the Whistle by S.L. Price when you're doing your Christmas shopping. Uh, Good guys, you're very kind to us. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back with an author of another book club book of the month back in the day, The Last Natural. Uh, rob mish and he's going to talk to us about bryce harper and hockey in vegas and uh a new book that he's working on so we'll be right back with rob All right, our next guest is from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and is a graduate of San Diego State University. He spent almost thirty years now in sports media, working in newspapers and writing books, including his latest of "Cowards and True Men," which we'll talk about in a minute. He's making his, I think, third appearance on the podcast today. Uh, warm welcome to Rob Mish. What's going on, Rob?
3: Boy, yeah, number three. That's that's. Uh... That is my pleasure and honor, man. I'm doing great. I hope you you're doing well.
2: So the Aztecs uh, won the conference this year, right? Stud running back.
3: Yeah, it was it was touch and go. Uh, you know, with with the way things are today in college pigskin, uh, for them to really knock on the national door and be a national presence, they had to go undefeated. They stubbed their toes a couple times. Once in uh, South Alabama. Once in laramie wyoming but uh you know they're 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 in a good bowl game like i live in las vegas of course and they're they're in a bowl game here on the 17th against houston that should be exciting a lot of friends coming up and we got uh donnell pumphrey who, who could set the all-time career rushing mark in that game so it should be exciting
2: now i heard you are heavily involved in the naming process of the las vegas golden knights and I just wanted to know why you picked such a ridiculous name and uh, why you're so hung up on Knights.
3: <laughs> I'm going to have to respectfully defer on that one. That was that was a surprise to a lot of people. I think the biggest thing since since the team was named, of course, the official name is the Vegas, Vegas Golden Knights. Yes, yes. And when when you talk to people who were born and raised here, Golden Knights doesn't really upset them, but what upsets them is screwing with the city name and taking off the L.A.S. Uh, as as f- there's 42 million visitors who come here annually, and of course, if you're on any plane bound for here, you call it Vegas. It's always Vegas, 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 Vegas. But that's outsiders. When you when you're born and bred here, and your roots are here. and and they're going to toy with the city name like that. They've really taken offense. I think it would be on par with uh, anybody in San Francisco. They really take offense when you call it Frisco. So Mm. that might be a good corollary. But as far as the naming rights and uh, the nickname, I guess we're in the middle of some some little hurricane right now because yeah. there's a small college in albany new york that has the clarkson. golden knights uh, yeah
2: they're a, they're a d1 hockey power clarkson golden knights yeah yeah oh d1 then then my apologies yeah, yeah no uh, yeah that's a big engineering school it's not far from here well okay. it's in it's in northern county new york so it's north of albany even uh it's, okay. it's closer okay. to montreal than albany um, it's in the northern part of the state. Its engineers go yeah. there, and uh, they have a great hockey program they have for years, and uh, they play in the ECAC. And uh, yeah, it's a legit, legit program. So and
3: apparently, I saw the official uh, uh, document yesterday on the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office that uh, there, there's kind of quite a stink about about Bill Foley, the owner of the Vegas hockey team, uh, kind of borrowing what looks like a close proximity to the logo, and uh, they have six months to answer. And, uh, you know, I know that many pro teams have nicknames that many college teams have and whatnot, so this could just be a thing that is one more way for lawyers to make money. There probably isn't a big stink to it, but I know a lot of people... Kind of expected a little bit more out of the, the Vegas nickname and the hockey team. And uh, if if you had been at the uh, debut event down down by the arena, it was it was kind of a fiasco. There was more than five thousand people there. The, the turnout was fantastic, but the audio was really crappy, and there was an overhead helicopter. You couldn't hear things. The video malfunctioned. Um, I can only say that as a hockey guy you would have been proud that the crowd did one thing right. When Gary Bettman took the they stage, booed. the, the booze were <laughs> nice. they were merciless. Very and nice. so uh, the owner and Bettman both kind of noted how, man, you're, you're just getting an expansion franchise, and you're already acting like veteran fans. So they kind of took that as a, a badge.
2: <laughs> uh, well, i got two last notes on the Golden Knights. They've been to 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 Frozen 4s. Last made the NCAA oh, tournament wow. in 2008, and their coach is a guy named Casey Jones, who, when my brother was playing junior hockey in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, was his assistant coach. So, oh, cool, yeah. So, go Very Golden cool. Knights, as they say. Uh,
3: <laughs> Very good. How's
2: the arena? Have you been to been to the arena yet? Oh, it's over by New York, New York, right?
3: It's it's squeezed in over by New York, New York, and. Uh, the monte carlo and it's it's extremely deceptive uh, and then on the other side is a four-story parking garage and it almost seems like there's no way it could fit in there and when you look at it you can pass it on the freeway i mean you have to know where it is because you can blink and you're past it it looks pretty cool it it uh uh it's just really deceiving it, it looks so small it's much bigger than then it appears from outside, and it was really made for hockey. When they built that arena, right. the, the specs the specs were just down to the last detail, fitting for for two dressing rooms. And so, I only bring that up because there's been some concerts there, and it's not exactly the Sydney Opera House when it yeah. comes to concerts. It, what, the acoustics aren't exactly peerless. Well, that's because it was made for hockey, so oh. um, it's. It's something this city really kind of needed, but uh, to take it one step further and not to throw this conversation off on a tangent, another thing this city really needs is uh, what we've been talking about for months is the Raider Dome, uh, almost 70,000-seat dome stadium. That that could be the draw for the relocation of the Oakland Raiders. That would be a gem to the city that, that it doesn't currently have. So uh, the city, is. it seems like it's about to explode.
2: Yeah, a few of my friends went to Las Vegas for the Guns N' Roses shows in April, and they said the yeah. coolest thing about it was the uh, the arena was how, because of the laws in the city and everything, there's kind of bars outside, and the outside part of the arena is a really kind of a cool hang before you go inside, and uh, right. they enjoyed yeah. that feature of it, so yeah the
3: there 's a there 's a, a plaza out there and it's it 's really meant to be sort of a a meeting place so it's it 's pretty
2: cool yeah and hockey 's obviously only going to get a city in Las Vegas so excited, but the Raiders that would be a different level if that comes to fruition so yeah
3: and and steve it's it 's just uh, i mean we could probably set aside a future conversation and talk for hours about it, but it 's just for someone i 've lived here fourteen years, and I mean up until exactly one year ago, maybe a year and a half ago. If you would have, would have ever told me that an NFL team would relocate here in my lifetime, I'm 52. If, if you would have told that, I would have said no way, absolutely no way. The way the NFL has treated Vegas, and obviously they have shunned advertising for Super Bowls, for, for Vegas, and it's, it's really been a, a horrible relationship. Uh, Goodell would like to, you know, he covers his eyes and ears that there's anything called a point spread. So it's just been such an acrimonious relationship. And so for it to be so close is, uh, I want to see it to ha- happen just to see it happen because uh, they, they moved a $750 million um, tourist tax through the, the government channels somewhat rapidly to kind of uh, acquiesce to Mark Davis, the owner of the Raiders. And it just seems like, all of the hurdles have been hurdled, and there's only one or two left. Uh, Mid January should be a vote of the owners, and it looks like they're going to get it. And um, the Las Vegas Raiders—I mean, I think it's it's going to happen, and it's just it's just incredible. Yeah.
2: Well, I know that you have been talking a lot uh, as a family advisor with Mister Harper uh, as his son prepares <laughs> as his son prepares uh, for free agency in the coming seasons here, and. There's been a big stink this uh, week. I don't know if you listen to the Tony Kornheiser podcast, but uh, Little bit, yeah. yeah, he's been talking quite a bit about it out in Washington, located there, and they're all fired yeah. up because this $400 million number was floated, and to me, yeah. that sounds low. I don't know. I, I think that, that yeah, seems low, low to me. Yeah, uh, but they don't seem like the Nationals don't even want to pay that, so I don't think he's going to be a National long, and you kind of started a thread on Facebook I was following last night. About his dreams of being a Yankee, and uh, it seems to make a lot of sense to me. The Yankees haven't spent a lot of money the last few years. Seems like they've been waiting in the wings for a guy just like thirty-four.
3: Yeah, they. they, It seems like they've been gearing up just for his arrival. And this right now, this period right now, Steve is is a period I have been looking forward to for years, and 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 I can't even discount that because right now we are going to hear and see exactly what each side means to the other side. Uh, We're going to see who blinks first. We're going to see how much the Nationals want him. We're going to see which side has the good faith. And it's easy to compare, so let's compare it. Um, uh, Let's look at Steve, uh, Steve uh, Mike Trout. I'm sorry. Um, What we saw with Mike Trout, and again, the same five-year window, He's been one or two in AL MVP voting yeah, every, every year. year yep. But what we what, 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 what we saw with Trout and the Angels was absolute and total good faith on both sides. He started off the gate really well. He showed that he was dependable, and he was going to produce. So early on, they cut to the chase, and they gave him a somewhat long deal for north of $100 million. What that did is that took away Trouty's uh, two arbitration years, right, and then a little something for little something for the effort. So right. there was total good faith on both sides. What we have seen with Harper and the Nats, it just doesn't seem like there has been any good faith. And on almost either side, you can understand why he's had one good season, and the others have been kind of injury filled and and uh, uh, you know
2: underwhelming. So well, he's had he to be fair. You know, he's had one so, historic season. I mean, you know Army. he's to be fair, he's had one virtually I mean, almost you could say historic season. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean not good, better than good, like a great, great season.
3: Absolutely. Right. So it's the Nationals in and of itself, in and of that season itself, is that reason enough for you to say offer him a five-year deal worth, say, $150 million to, to take off the two arbitration years and then just secure him for a couple more seasons. If, if that would seem like it would be fair on both sides, well, maybe, maybe not. It would be for them to decide. But the fact is, they haven't done it and they haven't offered. And uh, he really stunned me earlier this season. Whether he said it or his people said it, the, the, the figure leaked out that, when he becomes an unrestricted free agent after 2018, that he'd be seeking uh, a 10-year deal worth anywhere from 500 to $750 million. That's stunning. That's absolutely astounding. If they are saying that just to create a self-fulfilling prophecy, knowing the Nats aren't going to do that, then... Maybe they're doing that and saying that just so that the Nats don't ever tender him an offer and he walks anyway. Um, What you're faced with is he's going to arbitration any day now and then he'll be doing the same thing in one year. So if I'm the Nationals, and this is just my opinion, if, if I'm the Nationals, I go to arbitration in the next week or two or whenever that's coming up and uh, I do my damn best this next season to trade him so that at least in that scenario you're getting something back and you're not just watching him walk to the Yankees for free. So uh, there's a lot of moving parts, and I think it's just going to be interesting to watch what develops.
2: Well, he isn't giving them a discount. So if they think that, I think they're out of their mind. Uh, I think he has no reason in his mind to do it. Uh, I've heard some Nationals fans talk about the relationship the team may have with the agent because of the deal that strasburg got and and the way they played ball but that's a different scenario you got a guy whose arm is halfway falling off and they weren't going to wait around for it to maybe fall all the way off uh so that's a completely different scenario i think that that you can't get anything out of that i think uh he wants to be a yankee i mean i know i think it said in your book or somewhere i read you wrote that he's 34 because mickey mantle is seven and three and four is seven and i know there's some connection there and hey look at we've I talked to Jane Levy about this, who wrote a beautiful book about Mickey Mantle, and Mickey Mantle's her guy. Yeah, we talked about how in the history of the Yankees—they've kind of always been able to jump from, you know, they went from Ruth to Gehrig, you know, and then they go from Gehrig uh, right on uh, to Mantle, and you know, Mantle and to you know into the '70s, and then into the '80s, and into Jeter and Rivera. They've just always had this steady stream, and right now that hole is you're, waiting, you're, you're waiting you're, to you're be you're filled.
3: You didn't forget Joe DiMaggio, did I did you? forget DiMaggio, didn't
2: I? <laughs> <laughs> yes, DiMaggio, of course, is in there. Uh, God bless yeah. Joe. Uh, and uh, he's there. I mean, it's just that, that flow they've had, and that spot's open now. And I think he yeah. would like to fill it, and I think they want him to fill it. I mean, that's just my opinion.
3: Yeah, definitely. There's that mystique, no doubt, Steve. And, and uh, you know, while Harper might have his faults, he has a lot of good points, too, and for one thing, one thing of his that kind of endears me to him is he's really kind of an old school guy. He's, uh, he appreciates history, his place in history, let's say his hopeful place in history, and uh, we may have addressed this earlier in one of our talks, but... What was really cool when I asked him once in 2010 at the junior college, I asked him about, uh, you know, that he was doing something that nobody else had done and nobody would ever do again. He left high school after a sophomore year to play at this junior college to prove that he belonged on the cover of Sports Illustrated at 16, and he could hopefully be the number one draft pick. Of course, all that came true. But once in the locker room there, I asked him about being a pioneer, about kind of, you know, being this trailblazer, and he immediately blanched. He said, me, a pioneer, and he just said, no way. The pioneers are, uh, Hank Aaron, Larry Doby, uh, those guys who set the table when there was true animosity and true hatred and, and forged in a path for others, those are the guys who, who really deserve to be called pioneers. He, he wouldn't hear for one second the fact that uh, he was any kind of a pioneer. That's pretty cool. So uh, you can fault him for a lot of, a lot of things, uh, but I think those are some pretty cool traits.
2: Yeah, instead he wants his legacy to be the guy that took the unwritten rules out of baseball.
3: Yes. (laughs) Yes, and he wants it to be fun, and obviously he hustles. I have a buddy who uh, played minor league baseball at uh, single-A San Bernardino with uh, Ken Griffey, and my buddy only lasted about three years, very low low minors, and uh, he makes his living today with some batting cages in Orange County, and he still has got his nose in the game. I asked him about the Harper thing, and and he said, well, you know, a, a guy could be worth all that money. First of all, he's an everyday player, and not only that, but he busts his rump every single day. He brings it every single day. Uh, my buddy's name is Mike, and Mike said $500 uh, million, $600 million, $700 million. Well, that, that might be getting a little ridiculous, but for with a guy who brings it every day and, and who, who is different in that way, he might be worth it. And I think we've also seen Harper learn, um, it, it's one thing to play in fifth gear, but it's also smart at times to shift down to fourth and third because the team is much more important uh, with you in the lineup than with you nursing a bunch right. of ailments. Yay. So I think he's learned how to how to tread lightly and not just go willy-nilly into the fences and get himself banged up. So he's learned a lot.
2: The sports are here with Rob Misch, uh, the author of The Last Natural, a book about uh, number 34. Uh, A lot of cooperation from the father in that book. If you're interested in reading about the story, you can check that out. Uh, Also, he wrote a great book about Ed O'Bannon. We had him on to talk about that. And, you know, it's Christmas season, and my wife bought a book for my grandmother that came in the mail today, and I opened it, and it was the audio book. I said, do we have to buy my grandmother a CD player as well? Uh, so obviously that that was a mistake on her part. But um, some people might be looking for a stocking stuffer, and of cowards and true men uh, could be the per- perfect uh, thing for that. Why don't you uh, sell some books? Tell us about the book, uh, why you wrote no. it, what it's about, and why people should buy it for Christmas maybe.
3: Yeah, thanks, Steve. I really got into something. I was very fortunate to fall into this one. I was just putting the, uh, the UCLA book, 11th Heaven. I was just putting it to bed right, uh, sort of at the start of 2014. And it was about May 2014 when I could come up for air. And for a few years I have uh, a lot of friends in town who obviously know what I do. And, uh, I have been, I had been hearing about this lightweight from Uganda. Uh, his name is Sharif Bogere, B O G E R A. He, to this day, he's, I think he's 29 and one, but in May 2014, he was this. Uh, uh, he he was just a, a whippersnapper. He he was. I had been hearing about him for years because my friends were telling me, "Hey, Rob, Sharif is. He's five and zero. He's eight zero. He's eleven and zero. He's twelve and zero. He's fifteen and zero. He's sixteen and So for a few years, I'd been hearing about this kid who just wasn't losing. So in May 2014, I finally. Uh, uh, found him at a, a local gym, not far from my house at all. And I just popped into his world just to see what he was like. And I took him to lunch and I watched him spar. And then I went back three days later and, uh, I just kind of tried to observe the scene and watch him with his trainer, Kenny Adams. And again, I watched him spar and One thing led to another and I went back two days later and then I went back the next day and then the next day and the next day and I found myself going to that gym every day for 18 months because Kenny Adams just, he sucked me into his world. And, you know, when you're a writer, uh, you hear a lot about boxing. If you're a sports fan, you you hear a lot about the behind the scenes kind of uh, cruelty and drudgery of boxing. And so that world kind of appealed to me as far as, well, what is it really like? What is it really like? And fortunately, this guy, Kenny Adams, Sharif was my conduit to Kenny Adams. And the book is all about him. Uh, Again, it's called Of Cowards and True Men. He was the boxing coach at Fort Hood in Texas for 30 years. He brought Fort Hood from absolutely nothing to the preeminent boxing unit in all of the military. I think he had a stretch where... Fort Hood won something like eight or nine of ten military crowns in a stretch of ten years Um, just by his doing, by his way of coaching and training. He came to Vegas in 88. He was the assistant trainer or the assistant coach on the 84 U.S. boxing team and then they made him the head coach of the 88 Olympic team. That was in Seoul, South Korea and it was arguably the most controversial boxing olympics in history and and it was it was known as the rape of roy jones jr his gold medal was absolutely swiped from him by uh dirty judges and of all the people who were in the middle of it kenny adams was in the middle of it and right after that olympics he came to vegas and he has now been a pro trainer for almost 30 years he has coached 26 world champions and to sum it up, there's nobody who has had the success in the amateur ranks and the pro ranks as a trainer that Kenny Adams has had. And so, to be able to document his life story was uh, was off the charts. Uh, before he was one years old, one year old, excuse me, um, his parents dropped him off in uh, near St. Louis in Cape Girardo, which is where an aunt lived. He, had, he has nine siblings, and he grew up um, around none of them. And so he basically is a guy who just shoots straight. And if you don't like it, don't ask the question. Um, I've said uh, on a few other radio shows that this book was not meant for nuns or choir boys <laughs> or Girl Scouts. It's cruel And it's vulgar and it's crude and it's just the way Kenny is and when he read it he wasn't so surprised he was surprised to read so much about himself but obviously it was the way he is and I quoted him the way he talks and he had family members who were outraged at the way he felt about uh, some things in his life and he told me that he just had to set every one of them straight and say, listen, you, you don't know the way it was, and I'm entitled to my feelings, and those are my feelings, and if you don't like it, you don't have to ever call me again. And he has since... uh that has settled down with a lot of his siblings, but uh, he will just tell you straight up between the eyes, and he won't pull any punches. And there are, as far as his pro ranks are concerned, uh, obviously when he's at Fort Hood, he's the master sergeant. What he says goes. Nobody can question it. But in the professional ranks, you can imagine how that has rubbed a lot of people wrong. So he has had a long list of fighters who were only with him for a short time, but he doesn't give a damn. Because he did 30 years in the military so that he has a pension, so that he never had to depend on uh, his take from being a pro trainer for his livelihood. He, he, he could take boxers, pro boxers, take them and last a week with them, and he wouldn't give a damn. And uh, it, it would be his way or the Trailways bus. And so it was, it was really something unusual to fall into. I was really lucky.
2: Well, the book is called Of Cowards and True Men. Uh, It's by Rob Misch, uh, spelled M-I-E-C-H. It's available on Amazon on paperback. And also I want to mention, too, if uh, we talked about Bryce Harper, if that's more your speed, the book was originally called The Last Natural, but now Phenom, The Making of Bryce Harper, is available in paperback and Kindle editions on Amazon as well. And, of course, last time, 11th Heaven, we talked about the book. You can find it on our SoundCloud page, The Interview. Uh, Ed O'Bannon and the 1995 National Basketball Champion U- UCLA Bruins. And for information about all these books and to follow Rob, you can go to Twitter at M I E C H. Sir, it was great catching up. Uh, we missed you. Uh, thanks for the book. You sent me a copy. I appreciate it. I'm going to sit down and read it after this break. Uh, and we'll catch up again soon. I'm sure we're going to have to connect quite a few times over the next few years to talk about 34 and what he is doing.
3: Absolutely. At uh, at your pleasure, Steve. Thanks for having me.
2: Thanks, bud. Alright, I want to thank Rob Mish for joining us, Jim Florentine for joining us, as we sputter to the finish line of 2016. <laughs> This disaster zone of a podcast. Uh, lots of plugs. First of all, right now, as we speak, right this second, the only way to listen to this show is on SoundCloud. So it's important to know we're soundcloud.com slash sports dash casters. Every episode we've ever had is there. We're working on it. If you're a subscriber to us on iTunes, don't do anything. We're going to get it to you. We yep. promise. Just keep your current subscription the way it is. And we'll get them there. Yeah,
1: and if you're using a Android phone and I was using a service like Podkicker, I'm not, I'll am not. i have to look that up. I'll, I'll have to look up. Right I've here.
2: already updated Stitcher. So that might be a second way you can listen. Okay. I, I updated the Stitcher feed, and I think that's good.
1: Yeah, actually, fixing iTunes has nothing to do with listening on an Android. So that makes sense.
2: Yeah, I think Stitcher is good. So if you're a Stitcher listener, you should be good there as well. <sighs> SoundCloud has an app, by the way. It shouldn't be that big of a deal listening on SoundCloud. Oh, okay. But whatever, do what you want. We're, we're getting there. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter for more information about this, at sports underscore casters, and at Dong Lake Sports. Also, don't forget there's a new podcast called Lonely End of the Rink. It's also on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash lonely rink pod. at lonely rink pod on Twitter. And uh, you can also find that podcast on iTunes. That actually works.
1: <laughs> this one will soon all right so my one last thing this week is i got a new phone i had the htc one forever it seemed like yeah i think i had it probably just outside of two years so it got and i probably would not have upgraded i didn't really need a bigger better phone or anything like that but the battery life got horrendous to the point where i don't think it was reporting the battery life right because my phone would die and then i would restart it and it would say it had like 52 percent battery left so something was wrong um I ended up going with the Google Pixel. I like Google stuff, so I, I'm happy going that direction. But that said, um, when I was looking, that was the best deal. I ended up getting it for 10 bucks a month, uh, and I get a $100 gift card. And they're not even like – a lot of times they'll give it to you for 10 bucks a month, but they're sending like an $18 credit to your account every month. This isn't even that. I looked at the contract. I'm paying $240 for this phone. So if I cancel today, I can walk away and pay the remainder of 240 So it's
2: 24 payments? 24. It's,
1: it's two years of $10. At so. any
2: point, can you turn it in for a new one? I'm sure I could. And just pick up the payments? I, like I with my lease, uh, but I'm AT&T, you Verizon, right? Right. My lease program is I'm a 20-month lease, mm-hmm. but after 12 payments, I can just give them my phone and then they give me the new one.
1: Oh, okay. No, I think if, so, I, if I did that... I, I would, never
2: have to make the 20 payments. Yeah, if I'd I never have.
1: I don't mind making it because, like I said, it's only $240 instead of 672 or whatever. And that was a big deal, but uh, it was just the best deal at the time. They, they did a Black Friday deal that I guess I missed on the Galaxy 7 for 10 bucks a month, and I would have bought that.
2: Doesn't that one explode?
1: No, that's the Note, oh. the Samsung Note. Now,
2: why do you think Google wants people to think it's an iPhone, because clearly they do, right? <laughs> it's I mean, we super... put them side by side, and they couldn't have made a phone that looks more like an iPhone.
1: Yeah, it's super basic. It's very no frills. So, I don't know. I mean, it if...
2: looks slick. I like the way it looks. Yeah. Is there a case on that? Not yet. No. <laughs> so, I'm very... So, you're being ginger? Gingerly carrying
1: yeah. it. And yeah, I was reading stuff about this online. People said, like, oh, I never use cases, but I had to on this phone. It is so slippery, that phone. I don't know if the iPhones are slippery I like mean, that, I mean, even too. where they
2: put... The Apple compared to where there's no Apple is the same yeah. spot on the spot.
1: Yeah, that's, the, uh, that's a fingerprint scanner on the back there. Yeah. So you can unlock it with Mine's that. Mine's right there.
2: Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they, you know, here's the thing. Like I have never told people like – like obviously I'm an Apple guy, but I never tell people like iPhones are better than Samsung Yeah, or something. But it seems like people who use Samsung, and I think they get it from the company. So if you ever notice like if you ever see an ad for an Apple product so like it's about ads, the product like if you watch an ad for something yeah, yeah. that's not Apple it's about why they're better than Apple <laughs> um but they always seem to be that way but i think like for you it would make no sense to get an Apple phone no because you live in the Google world you right and i'm sure i could migrate over but that would be a pain in the ass.
1: Yeah, and the one thing is I don't have any contacts on my phone. I use Google Contacts, and it just recognizes that. So from phone to phone, I don't have to like transfer contacts or anything like that. But So, yeah, to go to an Apple, I'm sure I'd have to download an app and that was I, special I, you to You could
2: tell me that that phone, you could name 3,000 features that make it better than mine, but I'd still want mine because of right. going from that to my iPad to my computer to my – desktop to my right yeah they've got I, mean, I can write a movie on my phone and watch it on my apple tv in the same spot
1: yeah the only thing i have apple related is the ipod classic which i recently had to tear apart and put a new battery in because they don't they don't even make them anymore so the ipod uh,
2: classic was a beautiful product by the way yeah it's, it's the best it was rest the, in peace yeah. I, don't,
1: I don't think there's an argument for that that was yeah. the best whatever iPod so you or, like
2: the phone overall then yeah uh that is a weird spot to put the fingerprint. Why is it back there?
1: I, I guess so when you're holding it, you just put your hand on it and, and you could do, like it just unlocks it. I don't know. I actually got used to having a headphone jack on the bottom, so I kind of missed that. Oh, it now, still has one? It's on the top now, yeah.
2: Yeah, because everyone made a big deal about this phone came out that doesn't have one. Yeah. And I thought, oh man, I could be in trouble because I literally use my headphone jack every single night. No, I, go I use to, it every day. It I go to sleep with headphones in my ears. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, well, I'm going to have to change my habits a little bit because I have to make sure I don't need to charge my phone at night So oh, I can't do both at the right, same right. time. But then I bought a thing for 10 bucks and it goes in the bottom and then you can both in the bottom. Oh, okay. So if I ever have that problem, I have a tool for it. And if I don't have that problem, then there's no problem. Yeah. Uh, I didn't need new headphones or anything like that.
1: No, I mean, the biggest thing with this phone, I mean, I'm, I'm doing a bad job selling it. It's... It is zero bloatware. So if you're used to any sort of bloatware, I know Apple probably doesn't have any. If you're used to any sort of bloatware like from Verizon or anything.
2: No, they have some.
1: Okay. The only thing installed on this that's from Verizon, you would even know it's a Verizon phone, is the My Verizon app, which I download anyway and use. But like my old phone came with like NFL Mobile installed, and I yeah. couldn't uninstall yeah, it. Yeah,
2: it's not that. It's more like uh, Apple apps, like stocks. Okay, you and for a long uninstall. time you couldn't. Now you can. Oh, that's good. Yeah,
1: yeah and this, you, like the stuff that did come on there, that the few things I didn't want, I was able to uninstall. My own phone, you could only disable them, like so it wouldn't get updates. So, so that's pretty nice. It charges the battery crazy fast. Like it, it they advertise it on the commercial, like seventy-five percent charge in fifteen minutes. So, that's really cool. Uh, the camera is supposed to be great. I haven't used it a lot. It has some sort of HDR feature. That's kind of neat but i haven't used it enough to tell if it's cool i am getting a little bit of like the haloing effect that some people said they had a problem with so i'll have to look into that more if i care to fix it but
2: with the camera i just figure it's better every time and every phone i notice it takes a better picture than the last one yeah yeah
1: Yeah. that's pretty much it all right
2: one last thing for me today and it's going to kind of sound baby a little bit (laughs) and that's fine but i interviewed two people i like a lot this week jim florentine and Elliot Friedman. It was my first time interviewing Elliot. He's a great guy.
1: Oh, in addition to Rob.
2: Yeah, Elliot was the guest on the, uh, oh, the Lonely, Lonely Ring, Ring, Ring podcast Sorry. this week. So Elliot Friedman from Hockey Night in Canada. Yes. Maybe infamous this summer for blowing the call of the swimming race. Mm, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so here's the thing. Like two guys who have no business probably speaking to me, really. Probably getting not much out of it. Gave me both a lot of time. Twenty five minutes, I think, was Florentine, and maybe thirty five minutes, Friedman. They both pissed me off a little bit. Like, first of all, Florentine was clearly not paying attention for <laughs> significant part of the podcast. Okay, he was answering the questions and he's talking to me back and forth, but he's clearly like, felt like when I could get on the phone with my mom and I immediately like go into the kitchen and start doing dishes or <laughs> changing the garbage bag or seeing what kind of remedial tasks I can do while I go, uh-huh, uh huh, uh huh. Uh-huh, yeah, well, I'm talking to my mom. You know, I want to get some other shit done while I'm doing that. I kind of got that vibe. And then it kind of settles down and you finish it off or whatever. And Friedman was eating for the first five <laughs> minutes of the interview. And Adrian and I, so we don't talk over each other during the interviews as much, we try to text back and forth. Like, okay, you're next or, okay, I'm next or I'm going to go here or I have a follow-up. And uh, I text him. I'm like, is this guy seriously eating? And, you know, Adrian's like, yeah, I think he is. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know. I've been told by Adrian and others that a majority of the people who listen to our show probably are professionals. Yeah. We've done a great job reaching people that are, quote unquote, sportscasters. Sure. Maybe we haven't done a great job reaching other people, but apparently we're doing good in that market. if you're one of those people and I call you or anyone calls you to do an interview, (laughs) please do not eat. Like, almost, you know how disgusting, like, I was listening back to the interview with Elliot, and I had a fast-forward pass to when he was finished eating. Yeah. Like, okay, I think at the nine-minute mark, he's done with his sandwich.
1: Now it I that sounds disgusting. What do they call it? Not Radio Row. That's a Super Bowl thing. But I know Corolla will talk about this. Like, if you have to promote a book, you start at 6 a.m. Yeah. And you call the local show. Uh, do you get the impression them, you were the fifth? No, of neither of them were doing this. I New mean, show. obviously,
2: Elliot Friedman wasn't promoting anything. Sure, right. And, you know, Florentine's promoting, but. I guess with him, he might have done some other spots. Could have been. But I don't know. Just, you know, like, come on, really? Eating? (laughs) Eating? Who eats on a podcast? Don't eat, eat after we talk.